Hi, welcome. Uh, my name is Antoinette and I'm here to present a wonderful winemaker from Dobruja in Romania, Paul Fulea, uh, who represents and works with and is the winemaker for Kramak uh, Histria. Uh, these wines are incredible. We carry them at the store. They are in a variety of different uh, representations from white, rosé and red. And Paul works with indigenous yeasts um, and also international varieties as well as indigenous varieties. Uh, Paul, since we're here to hear from you and not from me, let's jump right in. Uh, tell us how, you, how you've been. Uh, I assume you've been a little bit busy with Harvest uh, knocking at your door. Hi, Antoinette. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me over. And uh, yes, it's quite a busy period. It's the most difficult period of the year during the harvest. And uh, you talked about uh, indigenous uh, yeast or wild yeast, as I prefer to call it. Uh, yes, I'm quite uh, in love with wild yeast because I, I, it's from my point of view, it's the best way to. Uh, take out the real expression of the grape without uh, influencing from uh, specialized yeast. So I'm right now from this harvest actually I'm I will make only wild yeast wines. I used and to I used to I used to uh, uh, <clears throat> follow different protocols for some of them my wines with the specialized yeast but uh, right now I'm only using wild yeast and it's going to be a very interesting year going so deep inside the wild yeast. Let's talk about that for a second, um, because it sounds like it's a commitment uh, to do indigenous yeast fermentation or wild yeast fermentation solely and not depend on uh, commercially cultured yeasts. And there is a difference between the two. Could you highlight for us what that means as a winemaker? What are the positive aspects of choosing to use wild yeast and perhaps touch on what are the risks of doing so as well? So the main, the main advantage that I see is that you can get the expression, the best expression of your terroir, right? So it, it solely depends on how good are you in the vineyard. Because if you have a healthy grape, yeah, you're gonna get the uh, best aroma, the uh, best sensation, the best taste of the wine that you can get there in that vineyard. So you have to uh, have very healthy grapes and you have to have a good, a good soil, a good position of the vineyard and to try to maximize this, this terroir, as we call it. And I don't believe that your uh, audience need to be <laughs> fully in detail about what terroir means. Yes. Uh, so that's the main advantage. The other advantages are when we are talking about aromas, that they are more delicate. Uh, they don't go into commercial yeast part of aroma very uh, 
sometimes some uh, aggressive aromas, right? So they are more delicate. One of the risks being so delicate that people do not recognize the type of grape or they do not understand your wines. So let's say that I'm, I'm making wines for geeks more, yeah, for wine geeks. But uh, I do like to be, uh, in a way, uh, apart from, from the, the uh, commercial part of the wine. And the most beautiful part of the wine that you can make from the same grape, different type of wines. And in each year you get different types of wines. So we're not beer producers, we are wine producers. And that's say everything actually. It is uh, amazing how much yeast plays a role in winemaking uh, to um, emphasize certain attributes of the wine. Uh, exactly. You know, exactly. And so you are using uh, international varieties uh, as well as a yes. few. Yes. Would you like to yes. tell us about what you're using and why you've chosen to use those grapes in particular? So from international varieties, I'm using uh, Merlot Cabernet Sauvignon on red and uh, this year uh, we will produce uh, Shiraz for Rosé well, maybe in a blend but we're trying to, to get some Shiraz with wild, wild yeast to see what, what we are getting um, on the whites I'm playing with Sauvignon Blanc I'm playing a lot with Sauvignon Blanc I like that great uh, also Chardonnay Actually, it's my first year with Chardonnay, at least. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I started to play with Chardonnay, and uh, actually, I used uh, three types of, uh, of uh, winemaking. I mean, uh, skin maceration, uh, pressing on the, on, the, on the grape, pressing the whole grape, and... Uh, uh, just a small maceration of uh, six to twelve hours. And I'm gonna get from the same grape three types of wines, three types of uh, making the wine. I'm very curious uh, how they will end. I'm particularly pleased with the one with skin maceration, longer skin maceration. It's quite quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Yes, and uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, maybe some reasoning. Rhine Riesling, actually. And on, uh, on the part of uh, indigenous uh, grapes, I'm going to use, I'm already used uh, Fetasca Negra and uh, Fetasca Regala. So Fetasca Negra on the red and rosé, and the Fetasca Regala on the white. I'm uh, just quickly uh, scribbling notes here to make sure that I, I have all of the different wines that you're making. You, you're you're obviously uh, a very busy man during harvest with all these different varietals and different styles that you're making. Um, let's talk a little bit about your interest in the uh, skin contact. Uh, 
wine style. What is it about uh, macerating white grapes on skin that is interesting to you? And what are you looking to get out of that wine style? Oh, I try not to get a super fresh, easy to drink wine. I do like the type of wine that go well with food. The wines that need pairing in order to maximize their aromas. So uh, I did the Sauvignon Blanc with skin contact for 18 days. Another one with skin contact for seven days. And uh, right now I told you about the Chardonnay and I'm looking forward to get to harvest the Sauvignon Blanc and make another skin maceration of 10 to 14 days. As long as the grape is very healthy, I believe that is gonna help to get different aromas from that grape. So you have healthy grapes, you have wild yeasts, and um, how do you get healthy grapes? <laughs> Tell us the secret that every uh, viticulturist out there wants to know. Now, we, in Romania, we have, and I know all around the world, there are very good viticulturists, very good engineers that work in the field. And I believe it's a, a bit of luck and a lot of science to get a healthy grape. More, more than this, my philosophy is that if you want to put the soul of the grape inside your bottle, firstly, you have to put your soul inside the vineyard. So it's a, it's a trade, you know, give your soul to get the soul from the grape. That's the secret. So are you, um, are, the, are your grapes all estate grown or are you also purchasing fruit? I'm purchasing a Tascarega right now uh, because uh, it is an old vineyard planted in 1983. And I do like that vineyard with, with small harvest and uh, taking good care of of course, that I, I visit the, the vineyard regularly to, to make sure that the grapes are healthy and everything is all right. But I, I do like that vineyard and I, I take that grape. Uh, the others are made by me in a way or another. Yes, so on. Supervised, visited, actually made, and so on. But it's on the, on the premises. Right, very good. Um, as a general um, review, what was uh, the Romanian, since you're, you're one of the vineyards you're sourcing from <clears throat> was planted in the 1980s, what was the Romanian wine industry like in the 1980s? And where do you see it going, you know, in the next 10 or 15 years, or where would you like it to go? So 1980s was only how big your harvest is. Uh, so you need a lot of tons per hectare. My parents worked in the vineyard uh, when I was little. And uh, 
all they knew was how much, how big is your, how big is your harvest? Yeah. They need to to get, uh, I don't know, twelve to eighteen tons per hectare for Merlot, for example. And at eighteen tons per hectare for Merlot, you don't get a good wine. That was 1980s. <clears throat> Since uh, 2005, 2006, things started to change. And uh, because we had access to European funds, a lot of new vineyards and a lot of new wineries appeared. Mine also. And um, we're striving for quality for quality, for innovation, uh, low harvests, trying to get new impression, new expression of the wine, trying to make crazy things just to uh, shut out that Romania is making quality wine right now. And now I can say that there is no wine in Romania that do not give great wines. So the quality has increased tremendously. And of course, we are still to go. But uh, I do believe that the most important thing we have to invest in marketing in order so the wide world know about us. <clears throat> because on the quality part, we're doing, we're starting to, to do a good job. And for the future, just more... Um, for the future, yeah, focus on quality, stay focused on quality, and focus also on global marketing. Absolutely. The beauty about the wines from that we've experienced, not only from your incredible vineyard, uh, but also from Romania as a whole, is that you're absolutely right. We have not had uh, a bad one yet, and um, it's it's quite remarkable the what's coming out of the country. Um, yeah, you know, bad wines happen to everyone, right? <laughs> because it's it's just mm, even if you're very uh, very cautious and you try to do your best sometimes just fail you know and that was one of the biggest risks on the wild east because you do not, do not know where the east is going and you need to be very very careful we check the wines twice a day you know? three times per day to see how is it going and be very careful with the temperature, be careful, be careful with the aromas and so on. But nevertheless, you may fail one wine. The, the most important thing that that wine shouldn't be in the bottle. You know? And to, you have to, to understand the wine and even if you treat it like your own child, it's your wine to be objective and say this one no and those if, ones if we are if we are going if we are doing that we can we can avoid sending you bad wine right 
<laughs> exactly. We're we're very fortunate because our the importer Armand does a, I think a, an excellent job of filtering out what he really thinks uh, wine what wines would do really well in the market, and he is uh, ten out of ten so far. So we're we're very fortunate to only really experience the best wines um, that he can source, uh, including your wines, which again are are really quite delicious. Um, so when we go back to uh, <laughs> how you chose to work with the varieties you work with, what about Merlot, Cab Sauv, and Syrah, uh, just as examples, pulled you in that you chose them over, say, Cab Franc or Sangiovese or other varieties that, that could have worked just as well with you? Are, are you attracted to those grapes in particular for any reasons? Oh, yeah, some, there are some reasons behind it. Because, um, first of all, when I had taken over the business from my father, the vineyard had 120 hectares of Merlot. Small quantities of Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc and uh, the Tasca Negra, but small, small areas. I mean, uh, two hectares, five hectares, or so. Uh, of course, I, I changed because it was very old. But I, I, I kept uh, at that time. I kept ten hectares of Merlot planted in 1976, and. Uh, when we look back, nine, back in the 80s, in the 80s, Dobroja, more than 60% of the grape was Merlot. And it was planted after studies and studies about the soil and uh, the area, taking which grape is best, is more suitable for, for, for Dobroja. And Merlot was the chosen one. And uh, I like that grape. I, I think that if, if you have a, a good vineyard, old enough vineyard, and you do not try to get the best ever harvest ever in quantity, you can get tremendous wines. Cabernet Sauvignon, it's Cabernet Sauvignon, it's the king actually, and you can get extraordinary results. It goes well with the wild yeast inside the vineyard goes well with the wild yeast and uh, actually I got the best results uh, with the Cabernet Sauvignon also red and rosé uh, Shiraz is my first uh, touch on Shiraz uh, I'm trying to use it for, for rosé I told you and uh, but I'm gonna I'm I think now I'm going to use it for a blend with the Tascanec. And Shira, you can get a lighter rosé with a lighter color. And uh, the Tascanec gives a stronger rosé with a darker color. So I'm going to use it as a blend in order to, to get the right, of the desirable color. You know, I like, actually, I like dark rosé. Oh going to Rosado more yeah, because uh, they're uh, suitable there. You, you can do a better pairing in the restaurant. But the market is 
asking for lighter rosé, so I have to make a, a you know an adjustment to to the rosé. Not that I like it. You have to sell the wine after all. You you cannot drink it all. Absolutely. Are the 120 hectares all still under vine today? Uh, yes, they are all under vine today. They have uh, Petasque Negre, Cabernet Sauvignon, Fresh Merlot, uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay. Uh, that's the more domain. But I also work uh, in a vineyard that has uh, Petasque Regale, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay again. I'm surrounded by Chardonnay and Sauvignon. It sounds awful. <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. Actually, it's quite great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's a dream for, for many people uh, who will watch this. Um, yeah, well, it's very interesting because uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to get using what well, it's, it's gonna be different from area to area, from uh, uh, some hectares to other hectares, you know. I expect to feel small, different aromas and small, different touches in, in, in the wine. I hope I will get them. You know. That brings up a, a very good point, um, without getting too technical, uh, but to touch on it is since you have um, had the experience in pulling up some of the Merlot to make room for uh, new plantings and expansions of the grapes that you wanted to work with, um, what is the process uh, as far as choosing the right rootstock and then of course choosing the right clone? Um, because as you've mentioned, you have a fair swath of area that you're planting. And so not every uh, hillside is going to react the same way to the same clone. So is that something where you said um, that making good grapes is a, a lot of science and a little bit of luck or? Uh, yeah. yeah, it is a lot of science because you have to start with the soil. <clears throat> what kind of soil do you have? What kind of rootstock do you need for, for the soil? Uh, what are the uh, uh, what? How much does it rain during the year? And you need to get uh, a rooster that is adapted to uh, looking for the word now uh, because it's not raining a lot in the region. Yeah, it's raining very little. So we uh, in my area it's around three hundred to three hundred fifty liters per square meter square meters during a whole year that's very little yeah in other year in other regions from Romania there the raining is about 600 650 liters per square meter it's totally different double so you have to choose very well the, the stuff and uh, you get Talking about my vineyard now, you get uh, sandy soil on one part and clay on 200 meters away. So you have to take in that into consideration also when you plant. And you have to choose the rootstock. Talking about the clones now, uh, the, uh, the French 
have a very good uh, catalog of the clothes. And I have spent some nights reading the catalog and taking into consideration of each clone and what can bring and what can I get out of it. And uh, usually I use three clowns. In a big area, I, I'm using three clowns in order to get 3D types of wines and see if I can play with that and see which is better, which is not. Uh, I, I can't uh, risk everything on, on, on only one cloud. So your blending goes beyond blending Cab with Merlot. It's also blending the different uh, micro-apostles of yes. three different clones harvested perhaps at, at different times um, during the harvest season. That's, uh, that's desirable. <laughs> during the harvest period, it's, nothing happens as you want. <laughs> no. Maybe a rain is coming, maybe the, the uh, harvesting machine is broken, maybe the workers are not coming that day. You, you delay in fermenting and so And one of the biggest challenge for, for me this year is that deciding to go only on wild yeast, I had to redesign the whole process because I'm not fermenting the wine in 14 days, I'm fermenting the wine in 30 days. That's double. So that's why I'm making wines in my winery and I'm making wines in another winery and I'm traveling between the wineries in order to uh, be able to make the quantity that I want to make. So in, so, some, yeah, in some regard, the choice to steer away from uh, commercially cultured yeast is uh, more time-consuming and labor-intensive. Yes, but it's quite a challenge. We'll see, you know, we'll see at the end of the October the results of the challenge, right? And you, you will see it next year, actually. Yeah, so well, that's very exciting. Um, we've been with you here uh, just about 30 minutes, and I would love to ask you if there's anything you would like to share with us before we say goodbye. Uh, no, just to... Keep an eye on Romanian wine. Yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna uh, make some nice wines this year. And uh, we do think that the uh, American market is very important for Romania. And uh, we do feel that uh, we are making progress on the American market. And we try to move forward and bring more wines and Armand is doing his best to, to help us yeah and we're trying to help Armand also to give him wines that he is proud of and he can sell it very easily and um, I don't know maybe we will see together next year Absolutely. We would uh, love to have a visit from, from you here in the DC market. It would be uh, an honor and a pleasure to introduce you and your wines uh, more personally to the consumers here that already support your wines. 
And um, I thank you so much for your time and for your information uh, shared today. It was a pleasure meeting you, Paul, and I hope uh, again to see you in person one of these upcoming years. And I wish you, you the well. very, yeah, the very best in your uh, finishing of the harvest. Uh, so maybe you can wrap up your now 13-hour day that you had today and um, yes. face another I'm one tomorrow. I'm going to them. Yes, I'm going to now. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you.